Decoding Life with Brian Blake. Stay raw, stay real, stay vulnerable, stay authentic. The time is now. Hello and welcome to Decoding Life, where we take philosophies from all around the world, break them down into handy, bite-sized chunks of information that can help you live your life day by day. We are still in November. As of this time, we have fantastically hit our initial target. So now it's time for a new target. Anything beyond this is a huge bonus. So thank you for everybody who's donated so far. And we've still got quite a way to go in November. So anything you can do to help fight for mental health and to help prevent cancer, then that would be hugely appreciated. So this episode goes out to Miss Vinter. Thank you for your donation. And today we are going to be talking about an often misunderstood topic, Nietzsche's Ubermensch. Now, the first thing people usually think of when talking about Nietzsche's Ubermensch, they think about Superman and they think that Ubermensch translates into Superman. Well, let's clear the decks and get rid of some mistaken preconceived notions right away. Ubermensch does not mean Superman. It absolutely doesn't. It's a very flawed and unsubtle translation. It really means, well, first off, mensch is non-gender specific. So it's not man to start with. It would more accurately translate as perhaps beyond man or over man. Um, Uber has several different meanings depending on the word it's attached to. It's also very important to realise that Nietzsche didn't even invent the term. It was invented by somebody called Lucian. Um, and it was also used it was used in Goethe uh, uh, in Faust and Ralph Waldo Emerson the American poet coined the term oversoul which is a very similar concept so where does Nietzsche's Ubermensch vision come from and it is more of a vision than a theory and we'll come on to why that's the case it comes from Nietzsche's work Thus Spake Zarathustra one of his more popular books I suppose and the basic idea of the Ubermensch it's it's a goal for humanity it's not a current existing thing in fact Nietzsche very specifically states that we as humans cannot be Ubermensch it is a goal we set for ourselves and it is about concern and goals for the future about creating a world where the Ubermensch can come to be now, obviously, this has been espoused by several people inaccurately, and we will come on to that. But just before we go any further, the Nazis were completely wrong about Nietzsche's Ubermensch vision theory idea. So, if you're sensitive about that, don't worry. I will come on to show why they were completely wrong about that. So, human life for Nietzsche has meaning by advancing a new, better and more evolved generation of human beings. We create the Ubermensch by living our lives in a certain way with certain values, or rather by creating our own values. And it's the will of the Ubermensch that gives meaning to the earth, or rather meaning to life on earth. The Ubermensch and you know people who follow Nietzsche's philosophy generally refute otherworldly fulfilment, i.e. They don't worry about or wonder about a theoretical afterlife or a vague spiritual reward. They grasp this world, the world we are living in, the concrete 
four-dimensional world with relish, with absolute gusto, okay, and enthusiasm. So it's important then, having dismissed this idea of worrying about otherworldly fulfilment, that we have to quantify that for an Ubermensch and for Nietzsche, the soul is part of the body. It's not a separate thing and it's not a mortal or distinct. We are our souls, essentially. And in doing this, the Ubermensch banishes nihilism. And by nihilism, we mean simply meaninglessness. Now, Nietzsche, at the start of his philosophical career, was a nihilist to some extent, and his, his philosophy evolved and came to this point. And we defeat meaninglessness by creating new values. We don't have values handed to us. We forge them ourselves. Now, some people have mistakenly and cynically equated this with eugenics. And what's eugenics? Basically, breeding specific people to promote certain traits. For example, and again, have to mention this, the Nazis breeding a generation of blonde-haired, blue-eyed, well, they would have called them supermen. Uh, and that would mean, well, uh, if you've heard of the band The Joy Division, that was a division of the SS, wherein the SS would allocate breeding... Um, what's the way to put it? Uh, they would force breeding, and there would be volunteers as well, you know, good, solid Nazis, not really understanding much. They would assign racially attractive women blonde women mostly where possible with scientist intelligent men so if you wanted a quick wriggle in Nazi Germany and uh, you knew the SS you were a quids in in terms of uh, punching above your weight as people might say and so this is not anything to do with the Ubermensch at all this is a, a, an empty wrong-headed and idiotic way of looking at this idea of the Ubermensch the fact is, Nietzsche was concentrating on individuals. People acting for themselves. Not necessarily the species acting as one per se, although that did come into it. But by concentrating on the individual, this is not, this is definitively not a selfish act. And the Ubermensch does take into account the benefit of everyone. They aren't just acting in their own self-interest, but they create their own self-interest to benefit everybody. And so the Ubermensch is a supreme achievement of humanity. The becoming or the creating of someone who is willing to risk all for the sake of the enhancement of humanity. As Nietzsche said, we are citizens of the world. That doesn't sound particularly right-wing to me. So to do this, as stated earlier, we must develop our own values, independent of others, over herd instinct. So we aren't just living day to day with no meaning that we don't consider the past or the future as important as right now and this is coupled with a direct purpose for humanity it's betterment it is directed so again it's not selfish and it's not to create empires or anything like that and part of this however is on the large scale to affect history for the better indefinitely the idea that by creating better people not breeding because this is not about a physical element 
although health obviously would factor into it. This is about affecting the whole of the human race for the better. And so we have a sort of simple equation here. If, as some philosophers say, life equals suffering, then the Ubermensch is the method by which we overcome suffering by creating values. Overcoming the self is a way to deal with the truth. And by that I mean the ability to take the truth as it is. The fact is we can't prove anything otherworldly. We can't prove that there is an afterlife. And I'm, I'm not arguing against religion or faith here. I'm simply talking about the fact that the Ubermensch lives practically, day by day, sensibly and in according with the values they create. They do not guess or speculate. They act in accordance with those values, things they can prove and touch and demonstrate. So in Thus Spake Zarathustra, Nietzsche said, Man is a rope fastened between animal and ubermensch, a rope over an abyss. Okay, that rope is basically humanity, the bridge between animal and ubermensch, because when we act in, accordant, in accordance with hand-me-down values, things that we've just been told you must believe this, we are acting in an animalistic way because we are not thinking for ourselves. Now, despite everything we've gone over so far, Nietzsche didn't actually define the term Ubermensch completely. He did not 100% nail it down. And this is part of the reason why it's been taken by others and distorted. Specifically his sister, who edited his works and, you know, again, took it to the Nazis, etc. But we don't need to worry about that. We've already stated that the Ubermensch is definitely nothing to do with any kind of Nazi-like or even right-wing ideal, really. And, just to absolutely clinch it, if nothing else, Nietzsche said he would have all anti-Semites shot, so definitely not one of the bad guys. So, apart from this, as I said, many people took the Ubermensch idea and distorted it. Even anarchists have espoused, espoused this idea. But Nietzsche literally never said anything about abolishing the state. He talked about changing it, improving it, but never destroying it. He understood the need for structure, but an ever-changing and evolving structure, much like the structure of humanity needs to evolve and change. He did, however, believe in destroying nationalism, as we said earlier. He believed that we were all citizens of the world and that the Ubermensch would absolutely be a citizen of the world. So he wanted a well-ordered society built by well-ordered souls. So, through this, we can see that the Ubermensch is clearly not a tyrant. They could become one because they own themselves and they act in accordance with their own values and they are strong in the psychological sense. So they could become one. But the Ubermensch overcomes this urge. Again, not a dictator, not interested in power over everybody, just power over oneself. Through the strength of their passions, they create value. They also destroy value. And we'll come on to that a bit more later. Why do they destroy value? Well, they destroy accepted values that have just existed since time immemorial because they realize they just learned. They have no objective value because nothing has objective value. Everything is created by us. So replacing blind acceptance 
of what was, with realised, deliberated and newly thought out ideas that work. One analogy that you might say works is if you buy a brand new computer, brand new laptop, tablet, doesn't matter what it is, in order to run it at peak efficiency, use it to its full potential, use it well, you aren't going to use the manual of the ZX81 Spectrum from like the early 80s. And Nietzsche was more or less saying that's what you're doing when you accept other people's values as your own and you don't question them. And so critically, again, Nietzsche did very specifically say that the Ubermensch has never existed in human history. The Ubermensch does have a theoretical wholeness and completeness. Jung, the psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, called this individualism. And specifically, this meant the unity of opposites, being able to reconcile contradictory ideas and live with them and use them and develop them. By overcoming and unifying these opposites, we transform and allow for the existence of the Ubermensch. We are able to think for ourselves. And so, by merging reason and passion, we can take full responsibility for our lives. The realisation that we have no one to blame but ourselves. But also, it means there's no guiding hand on the tiller. There's no ethereal creature, being or whatever, that is constantly judging us or condemning us. So an ubermensch would never say, oh, why me, for example? That's so unfair. Why is this happening to me? And in this... Fittingly enough, I think, Nietzsche is quite similar to Buddhism, specifically Nichiren Buddhism, the acceptance of total responsibility for your lives, total self-acceptance, which, again, many people would liken to a form of inner peace, except it's not inner peace that simply sits there and navel-gazes, it's inner peace that allows you to drive forwards and improve constantly. And it's very, very important to realise that this is about completeness, not perfection. Nietzsche at no point said that the Ubermensch is perfect or the perfect being. They are complete within themselves. They are, as he said, the poet of his life. So Nietzsche believed that we need to create a world that will give rise to people so strong they will create their own values using the power of their will. And so the Ubermensch is a law unto oneself. You decide if something is meaningful. This doesn't mean that you're selfish and egoistic, as I said earlier. It means you confront cultural values. You don't just accept things. And so by creating your own values, you must not just accept hand-me-downs from society, or even just other people. Though you obviously, essentially, must listen and learn. Because if you don't learn certain values, you can't improve on them, change them, and, obviously, this questioning of values does not mean you automatically reject every single value you come across. Some of them will be logical and sensible and you will embrace them. And because someone else invented them doesn't mean you don't embrace them as well. But you embrace them because you have analysed them and you have said, yes, this fits, this makes sense. And so, critically again, we overcome values that negate life in favour of supernatural guidance. And again, Nietzsche was very anti-Christian and largely anti-religion. And he was 
not militant about it in the sense of he opposed them you know physically but he was very much against this idea that you are not living your life fully if you're worrying about oh what if you know again i've used this before but what if imaginary man in the sky sends me to hell there's none of that with the ubermensch and with nature and again whilst this is a very this is a tough philosophy to embrace in many ways but it's very rewarding and it means you engage with love like there's nothing else beyond life because there are no absolute values there are no absolute values there is no definitive stretch of values or morals that we can categorically prove are 100% handed down from the universe that are correct do not exist and so therefore again the ubermensch is not physically superior or super smart they are psychologically superior they have mastery over their emotions the ubermensch takes joy simply in existing and above all else they create and we will come on to that in more details in a moment so how does one evolve in Nietzsche's way of thinking he divided human life philosophically literally socially into three stages three very clear stages and they're going to seem a bit unusual but please bear with me so the first stage is the camel now it's really important to realize that most people do not even get this far okay most people do not question do not think do not get this far in life so what did he mean by camp uh, being a camel be is the first stage of human philosophical evolution and uh, the uh, ability to bring on the ubermensch well a camel bears difficulties it tests its strength and it survives a very harsh life in the desert and this basically means that most simply follow society's rules and the camel takes these moral rules seriously it's what we might consider in quotes a good citizen with deep generational roots and they are proud to take on the burdens of others so it's an idea of selflessness as well but then critically we have another creature in Nietzsche's well he wouldn't call it a pantheon but for the sake of a verbal shortcut it comes up against something called the dragon which represents society and society's rules and religious rules critically and on that dragon there are countless scales and every single scale contains every value you've been told to follow by other people Nietzsche calls it the thou shalt idea again coming from religious iconography and the dragon is the representation of the safety and terror of rules and acceptance of absolute external values which don't have any validity other than when we surrender to them and so the camel gets a sense of pride and accomplishment from following and upholding the values of the dragon but again it doesn't ruffle feathers and it doesn't think for itself too much to use a pop culture reference it's um well it's a citizen of the matrix if you remember those films someone who's plugged in and does not rebel but sometimes 
the camel realises that not everything should be preserved. Sometimes it even realises it's a slave tool of the dragon. And at that point, the person may become a lion. So this is stage two, the lion. And the lion is a rebel, it's a destroyer that says no to the rules, as I said earlier, a value destroyer. And it does not act simply for others because it's told to. It lives life on its own terms. It finds meaning free from its environment. It defies the status quo. It says that traditions are not inherently worthy of being preserved, but in doing so, we also need to remember that the lion fights part of itself that's tied to the dragon. You are killing part of yourself. The part of you, obviously, that is somewhat of a slave, but still. To be a lion requires a great deal of courage. But, again, we have to realise that becoming and being the lion doesn't have to be sudden or violent. Obviously, the image of the lion is sudden and violent. But that's not the way it has to be. When you are the lion, this whole realisation and this whole becoming just has to be definitive. That's all just definitive and controlled. It's not about literally leaping up and roaring and saying, hey, look at me and attacking. Definitive change that is directed by self. And the lion and the camel are both reactions to external values. And that, again, is critical. The first two stages, we are still stuck dealing with external values. And so the final step in our evolution is somewhat uh, uh, anachronistically perhaps the third stage is becoming a child now obviously this doesn't mean becoming childish but a child is a creator and a redeemer if we can build something from the mistakes of the past that is better than what went before then we have a new beginning a redeemed beginning of self-made values and will now this redemption is nothing to do with religious redemption is redeeming oneself for being blind and supplicating one's will and following other people's rules without questioning it. And a child has an overwhelming sense of play and joy in life through creation. Pure creativity and the flow state, there is a sense of eternal becoming in this evolutionary epoch. For a child, anything is possible. Children do not judge, they don't need to judge, they create. Whereas the lion says no to the dragon, parenthetically the child says yes to life. The idea is to overcome self, as we said earlier, and the limitations imposed both externally and internally. Whilst this is self-directed, you're also doing this for all humanity, to become, as uh, Nietzsche once said, the overflowing cup from which all can drink, or the sun shining unconditionally for all a love of life beyond good and evil if i can just name drop one of nietzsche's other works and so the goal of life then is to create and not to take life too seriously you get to choose how who you are in the world and you can change your mind in fact nietzsche recommends you do change your mind you question all the time you do this and you have no external answers you are in permanent flux which is terrifying for some people and part of the reason why some people turn to religion. Not the only reason, this is not me criticising anyone, but the fact is permanent flux, permanent change is, according to Nietzsche and Buddhism, the best way to be. That inner peace, that completeness comes about 
because you can take on any value you can listen you can learn you can change your mind you can say right i believe this today but if this other value comes along and i think that makes more sense i believe this will make the world a better place you can embrace that and you can discard the old value it's not like again it's really going to sound like i'm ragging on the church but it's not the foo-foo you get when you want to leave a religious establishment being excommunicated or just leaving and not turning up and potentially being shunned by people there's nothing of that with Ubermensch and effectively if you're going to sum up I believe the Ubermensch in one sentence it's simply this your truth shall set you and others three now just to round off uh, for, for part two of the podcast uh, I'm going to go into uh, a brief uh, uh, analysis of why Superman the superhero is not an Ubermensch and why attaching that to him is a huge mistake Superman cannot be an Ubermensch for one thing because he's essentially a god Okay, those powers mean he's not human we all know he's an alien but that's a critical part I mean, maybe his heart is human on some philosophical level, but he is an alien and he is basically a god. And some people cynically have argued that he distances humans from the hard work of being human and that he may undermine us on some level. Well, essentially, he still thinks mostly as a human and he's doing his best. Or one might argue that Superman proves that we can be better. Or regardless of what philosophy you're following Superman can be an inspiration and again Superman's morality is not transcendent as the Ubermensch requires Superman has not decided on values for himself he was raised by uh, Kansas family farmers, the Kents and they raised him with values that benefit everybody and he's adopted them from us I, and I stand to be corrected I've read a lot of Superman comics but if someone can find a Superman comic where Superman stops and says, hmm, I question this value, perhaps I should do something else instead. I would love to see it. I'd love someone to write it. We've got an awful lot of Superman facsimiles where they do do that. A Superman himself is pedestalised and so can't really do it himself. And so Superman is much more of a, uh, a Kantian following duty or or Aegon, as uh, the sort of philosophical term for duty is, Aegon. Immanuel Kant was a philosopher who developed something called the Categorical Imperative, and we'll be doing an episode of that coming up. So the Ubermensch transcends law, but Superman embodies the law. Superman fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And so Superman fights for truth and justice as though they're absolute values and constants which, by Nietzsche's way of thinking, and by all existentialist thinking, are not. These are things we have to decide for ourselves. And we see it every day. Different countries have different laws. So there's different ideas of justice even there. So they are not constants. They are imposed pseudo-constants, perhaps. And so Superman performs good acts through his goodwill. And he accepts without question that it's his duty to perform virtuous acts. Therefore, Superman can't be an Ubermensch. In fact, he can't even be a follower of Nietzsche. <laughs> because, as I said, inherited values. And Nietzsche, in fact, said, 
A virtue must be our invention. It must spring out of our personal needs and defence. In every other sense, it is a source of danger. That which does not belong to our life menaces it. So we may want Superman to be a Ubermensch, but he isn't. But that's okay, because we have the power to change the world for the better by acting in such a way that we can bring on the Ubermensch. Thank you very much for listening. Please sponsor if you can, and I will see you soon. Thank you for listening to Decoding Life. Please like, subscribe and leave a review, and also follow our video feed on YouTube, Decoding Life. If you have any comments, questions or topics you would like us to cover, please contact us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, or with the name at Decoding Life One. That's the number one. Or by email, decodinglife1 at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are entirely our own and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever which we have been, am now, or will be affiliated.